Welcome back to the Rob Manish Show, my friends. Uh, just a reminder, your comments can be seen, and we will uh, bring your comments into the show, and we appreciate you being with us today. Uh, great show, great guest today. Uh, the title of the show is The Impact on Biden's War on Texas. And my big question is, what the heck is happening in Texas? Uh, today's guest town hall article uh, says this, throughout the state, of Texas, there have been all kinds of, uh, of uh, citizens piling into meeting halls and cafes and other venues to standing room only events uh, uh, to vent their frustration at the feds. Uh, that's the federal government for you folks that don't get that. Uh, for what appears to be uh, an open, direct, and hostile attack by the Biden administration on and the Democrats and the leftists on the state and its residents. Uh, these town hall type events have typically been hosted by establishment Republican uh, groups, uh, but they've morphed. Uh, they've morphed into displays of outward anger, similar to what was witnessed in early Tea Party meetings, uh, fueled at the time by the opposition to Obamacare except the level of frustration now seen in these events clearly eclipses the early Tea Party days. For many Texans, Washington, D.C., and the federal government are irrevocably and hopelessly broken. And Texas politicians are actually beginning to take serious notice of the dramatic shift in the political winds. Uh, matter of fact, one of them, uh, Representative Kyle Biederman, uh, filed a bill to allow Texans to vote on taking the first step to Texas independence, now commonly referred to as Texan. Uh, of course, Texas independence uh, for many Texans and Americans, you know, uh, I'm uh, originally from Tennessee, my family is, and, uh, and uh, uh, Tennesseans helped found Texas. Tennesseans like Davy Crockett, Bowie, uh, Sam Houston, uh, and those kind of folks. So we have close ties to that independent streak, uh, and it's embedded in the DNA of the great state of Texas. Uh, and, and it's because Texas has a unique history as its own republic. Uh, and that is really always going to be a player in how this works. But what's been happening is the Biden administration first reverses all the darn immigration and border control policies, and now they're getting flooded there, uh, and ICE and the Border Patrol are no longer able to handle the situation, and the policies have changed where they can't really handle the situation. So the De Texas Department of Public Safety is having to do that, and it costs tax dollars out of the more tax dollars out of the state of Texas and Texas taxpayers' pockets. Uh, but they've just been pummeled. You know, Texas uh, uh, put a, a, a court case together to challenge the election because of the six contested swing states electoral votes being in question, uh, but so that they could protect Texas's electoral votes. Uh, and the Supreme Court said they didn't have standing. Uh, that's just unbelievable. And quite frankly, the people of Texas are getting fed up, and I'm not surprised. And this is no small movement, and, and that'll be one of my first questions to our guest today, who is uh, David Thomas Roberts. He's the CEO of Telogistics, a 
tele, a telecom financial management firm and a serial entrepreneur, inventor, a best-selling author. He founded Defiance Press and Publishing. He's also a political columnist, and he wrote that great town hall article. He's uh, got a new book out, co-written with Sheriff, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, titled Sheriff Joe Arpaio, an American Legend. Uh, and it's got a forward by Ted Nugent. Uh, came out in October 2020. David, we do appreciate you and welcome you back to the Rob Mana Show, my friend. Thank you, Colonel, for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, we appreciate you. And uh, I know you're a busy guy, but you got you to gotta open it with this, sir. And that is, is this for real? I mean, is this credible, this Texit movement? Well, I'll put the same question back. There's over 400,000 supporters. Uh, it's been co-sponsored by six other Texas legislators. And uh, every polling, every piece of polling data that we have, that we've done, um, it's, it's even high with the Democrats. So um, uh, the question is whether the Texas legislature has the fortitude to actually put a decision like this in the hands of the voters. And all indications are that most of them aren't. So we have a plan for that. Um, but, you know, we don't have a ballot initiative, for instance, like they have in California, where we can get our own uh, ballot initiatives, initiatives on, on the general election, but we can't get it in the primary. And so just uh, wait a couple of days. Uh, by Friday, you're going to hear another big announcement that we're going to have this thing on the Republican primary ballot, and then all hell is going to break loose. That's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, from a from a legal perspective, uh, you know, what we saw in the 1860s, obviously, uh, was a, a series of secessions by states. Uh, but this is different, right? Well, this would, I will tell you that this is this movement is much closer to the Brexit movement than it would be to 1860 secession. First of all, obviously, slavery has nothing to do with this. I actually didn't have a lot to do with 1860 either. But um, there, you know, this is a this is a movement to take back um, control of our state because um, you were right in your opening in your opening is that most of us feel like D.C. is irrevocably broken. Um, you know, even I mean, even look when Republicans had control of Congress, we couldn't get Obama Obamacare fixed. You know, and and to be honest with you, when people go to D.C. and I've seen it firsthand, I've been to D.C. many times. I've I've been on campaigns. Uh, uh, I've raised money for campaigns. These guys get to DC and, and um, they're, they end up becoming more beholden to their leadership than they are their constituents. And, um, and then you take the, the whole series of events that's happened in Texas. And you mentioned a couple of them. Uh, well, we'll start with the XL pipeline. That, that's a direct attack on Texas. Uh, yep. The SCOTUS ruling. Um, how in the world, as you mentioned, Colonel, we cannot have standing if other states don't follow their own constitutions and their own laws, and then the electoral votes of Texas get canceled out by somebody illegally stealing the elections in their state, how can we not have standing? It's unbelievable. That was almost like the, and in the, the feds, feds involvement in the, in the grid, in the electrical grid here that yeah. caused over 125 deaths, um, shutting down 160 coal fired generation plants and replacing those with, renewable energy that you can't ramp up when you need to. Um, I mean, just, just add it all up. Then the immigration on top of that. Um, and I, I'm telling you, I've just, I've never seen this type of anger 
and the fever pitch that we're seeing in 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 traditional Republican town halls meetings that you would normally think they're not going to bring up an issue like this. But I think people have, are, are starting to realize like this may be the only answer to to get back control uh, of our local governments. Yeah, well, the state level is definitely the answer, David. Uh, and I'm curious. Uh, 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 we saw that Alan West is resigning as uh, or finishing out his term as the GOP chairman. I'm not sure which of those is is the actual fact, but but he's leaving. Uh, does that because uh, I know he supports this being on the ballot, right? Uh, from what I've seen, so is that going to impact the effort? Do you think? And uh, what will that do to the Republican Party in Texas? Well, um, our Republican governor Abbott. Um, who's who's kind of reversed course over the last few weeks because he's seen the handwriting on the wall. Uh, most of your grassroots Republicans are not happy with Abbott at all. And it started with the COVID restrictions. Um, and, um, you know, there's there's issues with our governor. And I, I think he stands a very good chance of being primaried, despite the fact that Trump has endorsed him, which, you know, it, it's just that's an amazing feat on its own. But um uh, he's not popular. He's not popular with most Republicans. And, you know, I don't think uh, 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 Colonel West has, has actually officially entered that race, although we do expect him to. There's another guy named Don uh, Huffines, who's a, a wealthy businessman. who has been a very conservative uh, Texas state senator in the past. Uh, he has thrown his hat in the ring. Uh, we thought we would see uh, Sid Miller, the agricultural secretary. But I think without Trump's endorsement, he decided to sit this one out. Um, so we've seen a lot of stuff happening in, in, in Texas politics also, um, and, and a lot of it for Abbott came with this COVID, the COVID restrictions, his inability to shut down the border, un, unwillingness to do. Um, it's, it's mostly just, um, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, they're really, if they really wanted to shut down the border in Texas, they could. But I will tell you, um, in speaking to state officials, they're actually afraid that they would be criminally prosecuted by the feds similar to sheriff joe arpaio that you know um and i think he was the, the pre-runner to what we saw happen to trump and that's an example of what can happen to folks and so you know when you see uh uh state troopers and and local law enforcement officials actually helping people out of the rio grande and pulling them over on our side that's just unbelievable to me i just i'm gonna stop them and make them stay on the other side of the river I, i'll never understand that but um uh, they're afraid of the feds. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 David, because when, uh, uh, when we see that and you go talk to like the ranchers and the citizens, uh, including the Hispanic citizens, the, the Mexican American citizens, uh, or Hispanic American citizens, whichever groups, uh, that they're part of down on the border in those districts, even the Democrat, uh, uh, congressional districts, they're upset, uh, and, and and they don't buy it. I mean, I mean, they're 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 like, hey, you guys, you feds, you state troopers, you're you're supposed to be protecting us, and part of that protection is keeping criminals out, uh, even if it's just criminals that that cross the line illegally. And we know there's some bad bad folks coming across there, and bad folks that are running the coyotes that are running these groups across are really bad folks. You hear about rapes and sexual assaults on the women and girls all the time. Uh, 
that have been paying to come across. Uh, but the citizens of the United States, it doesn't matter what demographic they're from, they're saying you're wrong and you should be protecting us. And it's like, it's like we're living in a backwards mirror uh, country of what the United States used to be. Well, I mean, there's so many places to go with that. I mean, for first of all, if you're a parent, would you send an unaccompanied buyer across the border with you trust the coyotes? Uh, I, I'll never be able to understand that. You got Kamala Harris who, who won't go to the border because she doesn't want to own it. She'd rather just talk about it. She doesn't want to own it. Now, she, she sounded like Trump today in, in Mexico, but of course she was wearing a mask. Uh, I mean, her and the president of Mexico are were, were fully vaccinated, but yet when they meet, she's wearing a mask. So uh, somebody needs to explain that to me. I still haven't figured that one out. Um, or why we're wearing masks when they're, when they're vaccinated. Um, so uh, it, it's just bizarre world in, in every way. Um, you know, the crime is increased in Texas, the financial burden. And, you know, people live in other states say, well, that's just happening in Texas. Listen, I can tell you, I can, I can verify. I have witnesses on the ground at Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston. They're, when they're flying in here from, from South Texas, uh, they're given a manila envelope full of cash. And then somebody that, that's riding on the same flight that comes in for them goes around and gets their piece of it. And then they fly back to South Texas. So they're actually taking a piece off the top for the cartels. Uh, and, and we've made this known um, to to our state attorney general's office, to the Texas state legislature. It happens every day. It's happening all day long, every day. Where is the cash coming from? Why is it somebody realizing that the cartels are taking a piece of that and then going back to South Texas to go back across the border with cash? Um, it, it, Colonel, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I just I, it's like nobody can can get anything done to stop it. Yeah, and the, and the citizens agree with you. You know, I just put a comment up from uh, one of our viewers that's in Texas, and, and uh, you know, she says it's crazy here. Uh, you know, they listen. They really need to listen to. Here's another comment from uh, uh, a viewer about uh, you know they need to listen to the border residents uh, and get this uh, ball rolling to reinstitute law and order. Why won't the federal government reinstitute things like policies like, you know, for asylum seekers, you have to wait in, in Mexico? Uh, that, that, that would solve, what, 80 or 85% of the issue today in 24 hours, wouldn't it? It would. But, you know, even I'm going to go back a few years, even when Trump was in office and, and, and my congressman, who was Congressman Kevin Brady, who was chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, who I'm not a fan of, um, mm -hmm. they still allowed immigrants to come in and claim EITC credit. So you had, you had people come in and, and they could claim their brothers or sisters, their aunts, their uncles, dependents who didn't even live in, uh, in the United States or still in Mexico or may even not really even exist and come get 15, 18, $20,000 in EITC credits cash. So you had this gold rush. Also. That's when these caravans really started with this. It, it was a major gold rush. And then the way that that Brady and the Ways and Means Committee tried to fix that issue was, OK, we'll we'll take the uh, the EITC credits we'll, and we'll make it in order for them to file. They have to um, they have to file for amnesty. So I don't know if you know this or not, but people want to come across to file for amnesty. They're automatically given a Social Security number. So when you just not not that you're approved for amnesty, 
that you apply for amnesty, you get a social security number, which allows you to file taxes. And so they did an end around around this. The Ways and Means Committee knows about it. The IRS knows about it. And IRS would say, will say publicly that it's not our job to enforce you know, uh, immigration and we have to take people's word on it unless we find a fraud investigation, but they don't investigate this. And really for a lot of us Texans, we think that this whole thing, letting, letting the immigrants come in, figuring that they'll probably vote blue if they do vote, Okay, um, mm-hmm. this is a way that you know. Listen, if, if the United, if the GOP loses Texas, okay, you're you'll never have a Republican president again because you're going to lose too many electoral votes. And yeah. if, if you lose Texas, you lose the country. I mean, let's just face it: Texas, Florida, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Alabama. You know, there's just a few places left where you know if, if we lose these, and, and Texas is probably the the diamond. You lose that, um, the country's gone. Yeah, at least for a very, very long time. As you know, it takes it takes uh, decades for the wheels of uh, to turn to change a direction of a of a voting of a way of the way a state votes. I'm sorry, uh, and everything. And uh, uh, here's another one of our viewers, Susan. Uh, you know, we've got to get rid of all the snakes in Congress and. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know President Trump was trying to do that. He was very, very hamstrung, though. And I'll just say it out loud. You know, uh, somebody that's not experienced in government uh, is, is uh, having to rely on people that not, can't necessarily be trusted. Uh, and a lot of those Republicans that were around Donald J. Trump and his administration could not be trusted. Uh, and, uh, and if he or anybody else ever runs again as an outsider, I hope they take advice from folks that have been in government, but are outsiders, uh, you know, and, and don't uh, have an ax to grind uh, or, or either politically or uh, from a, or personally against somebody, you know. So, yeah, we do want to get all the snakes and all the swamp creatures out of, uh, of D.C. And you were just talking about some. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Mr. Brady either, David, uh, you know, because, you know, as you said, folks tend to become uh, 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 obeying their leadership when they get up there after a certain period of time. And some, for some, it's instant. Uh, it's as if they didn't really run on a campaign platform. Uh, they just go up there and do whatever they're told. And, and you'd be surprised at how many folks in D.C. actually do just that. They, they run. They have great messaging. They have great platforms and they get up there and they do exactly what they're told every single time. And you know what? Even if you have to go up against a president like Donald J. Trump, you still have to say no if you're a representative uh, in the United States Congress or a senator uh, representing your state in the United States Senate, don't you think? Oh, that's so true. And listen, the deep state, I I mean, I, I think it's gotten so big. And this goes back to this whole Texas issue. It's gotten so big. It is it can it be fixed? I mean, that's the question. And there's a lot of us that don't believe it. it's gone beyond the possibility uh, of fixing it in, in a normal way. Um, and so, um, you know, maybe maybe if they see the possibility of losing Texas, that the GOP will get on. The GOP uh, doesn't know how to fight. They don't know how to message. General, I'm speaking generally. There's there's exceptions. Mm-hmm. There's probably four or five people in Congress that I would trust. Jim Jordan. Of course, Mark Meadows is not there anymore, but he would one of them. Yeah. Louis Gohmert. I mean, there's a few, but there's, they're not many, you know, there, there really aren't. And so, uh, 
they get they get up there and I've seen it firsthand, Colonel. They just get swept up in it and and uh, they forget their constituents. They forget what got them there, and um, you know, and, and it's why we have the problem we got. What well, you're right, you're right. You mentioned the Keystone Pipeline. Give the audience a sense of what that did to Texas itself as one of the major oil and gas uh, states in the nation, obviously. Uh, what are the impact? What were the immediate impacts of that, David? Well, the the Gulf Coast, especially the Texas Gulf Coast, is mm -hmm. where most of the major refineries are. The refinery capacity, in the United States, for the most part. I mean, you got California, you got the East Coast, but most of it's in Texas and on on the on the Gulf Coast. That pipeline carried uh, fuel from Canada, excuse me, oil from Canada all the way down to the refineries. In, in Texas, so there was jobs, there was production, there was sales, there was tax revenue, all those type of things. And, and, and these these folks is uh, they're they're rushed to do the uh, the climate change and canceling the XL pipeline uh, was you know another attack on fossil fuels, and that's an attack on a major industry of Texas. And and so uh, you know it impacted us. It impacted North Dakota. It impacted Canada. Uh, it impacted Oklahoma. Every 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 piece of ground that that pipeline touched, it impacted. But it especially impacted Texas. And, and these jobs that were lost, they weren't like thirty dollar an hour jobs, right? I mean, these were long term, career level, a lot of them union, high paying jobs, right? I mean, these yeah, were these, these jobs eighty eighty grand to one hundred twenty grand. Yeah. Uh, Biden said, "Well, just you know, just go out and get a job making solar panels." <laughs> most, of that, most of that's in China. So how are you going to get a job doing that if it's in China and, and they don't pay like yeah. that? So it's not easy to replace those jobs. I mean, think if you're, you know, in rural South Dakota or rural Oklahoma mm -hmm. and you have a job like that, where are you going to go to get another job like that, that that's been taken away from you like that? I, I mean, well, I, spent, I spent some years in North Dakota before the fracking revolution. Uh, and uh, that state has dramatically changed uh from a prosperity perspective from uh from a wealth perspective uh and, and from a population growth perspective and it, it this is going to just devastate a lot of these states like north dakota and texas uh but you may you mentioned something about solar panels and that's a that's my next question uh you mentioned the winter storm that caused the power outages in texas over the winter and what the root cause of that was in your article. Tell our fellow Americans what the root cause of that is. And, and, that, and that's added fuel to the fire, so to speak, of the Texas movement, hasn't it? It has, and it, it was a perfect storm. But it all starts back in the Obama administration. In Obama, uh, there was 160 coal-fired uh, electrical generation plants in Texas, 160, Colonel. They got shuttered because of uh, emissions standards and and the effort to go to renewable energy i mean i still see I, i'm in houston i still see uh these ships carrying in these these foreign made uh windmills that are, you know take you know they block the freeway when they're coming in they're so huge and we're still putting up windmills and the problem with those is when that storm hit and that was a hundred year storm here uh i have never seen, i've lived in texas all my life i'm 62 years old and i've never seen anything like that uh, and so you couldn't just dial those up. In fact, the state of Texas that, that runs those, the state of Texas, the ERCOT that, that runs those generation plants had to actually ask for permission 
from the feds to turn up the, the, the generation plants that they actually did have in operation that would exceed their emission standards. And, and it took 24 hours, but, but the feds gave them permission to turn it up. But the fact, you know, it just riles the Texan curl. I think you got to ask the feds to, to get permission to turn up the thermostat in Texas. That just doesn't sit well. It shouldn't sit well with any state. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 2011, I was in command of the Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, and the natural gas supplies were were throttled and cut off uh, because they they experienced a winter event like that. And believe it or not, the natural gas supply that was coming from Texas was throttled so that Texas had enough natural gas. And it just showed that the, the state of New Mexico hadn't done enough planning and, and infrastructure planning and building. And, and then we just saw the same thing happen with Texas. But it was because it was forced by these leftist administration that believe in the, in the so-called science of climate change and, in, and investing trillions and making states do things like what happened with Texas and over-reliance on windmills, solar, uh, which all require petroleum products, I believe, to be manufactured and maintained and operated. If I remember correctly, I, I flew a lot uh, low, low altitude in Texas when the windmills were going up. Uh, and they also are not uh, uh, e uh, ecology friendly. They kill tens of thousands of birds all the time, the windmills right. do. Uh, so it's just kind of, kind of, kind of a strange uh, uh, approach where we're using trillions of dollars in, in government force to force a state which has its own rights and powers under our constitution that are supposed to overrule the federal government. Uh, and then we end up with, you know, millions of Texans without power and freezing to death. And uh, I, I think over a hundred people died in that storm, if I remember correctly. You know, and, and Colonel, in full yeah. transparency, I say there there is some blame to share with the Texas state legislature because um, they've had they've had provisions for to modernize and to winterize some of these, and uh, and, and they never could get it done. And, and again, this is it's a Republican controlled state legislature. You know, we we, we have the tradition in Texas with the Republicans. We haven't seen it for the Democrats yet. Where, you know, uh, they they actually appoint Democrats to chair committees and, and subcommittees. And you know, I always ask my state legislators. I said, you you really think the Democrats would do the same for you if they were in power? And and so uh, in most cases, you know, it, the Texas legislature only meets every once every two years, which I guess is a good thing, because if you can't meet, you can't do any harm. And, and I wish Congress was like that. I wish Congress would only meet every once every two years. But um, they always run out of time. And there's always things that get pushed off until the next session. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it's just never happened. So they, they do share some culpability. In it, but really, this all started with the move. Um, to these renewable energy sources and, and shuttering coal plants. Well, we can't let Republican state legislatures off the hook on anything, David. I agree with you. You know, the, the six contested swing states all had Republican legislatures that let their executive branches uh, and judiciary branches get away with unconstitutionally changing their election laws. Uh, and they didn't do anything about it when they could uh, to stop the fiasco that we now have with all the audits going on in places like Arizona and the pending ones coming up in Georgia and Nevada now, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and hopefully Wisconsin, uh, to look at that. We wouldn't be in this predicament if those Republican legislatures had stepped up and done their job. So I, I totally agree with you. We can't let them off the hook uh, 
and not be held accountable. And speaking of being held accountable, uh, Texas had a remarkable election in the last couple of weeks, didn't they? Weren't there like three local seats that either flipped or gained Republican uh, 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 people yeah. into the seats that hadn't been there in decades? Yeah, right. You know, we keep we keep getting told that Texas is eventually going to turn blue. We're not seeing evidence of that. Uh, uh, now, you know, if you control the voting machines, I guess that could happen. Right? But uh, we're not seeing that. Um, uh -huh on the ground. But, um, you know, and, and so speaking of the voting machines, because I think this is something that, that your audience needs to know. Um, my county, that I, the county that I live in was about to award a $7 million contract for, for new machines. And this county uses what they call the Eastlake machines, which is made by Hart InterCivic. And Hart InterCivic is based out of Austin. But when all this came up, I started investigating. I said, who, who owns these voting? I mean, if you look, I mean, Dominion's got all the press, but when you start looking at these voting machines, there's 48% of Texas counties vote on these machines, and in, including most of the uh, the major, the only major major metropolitan area that doesn't use these, we don't use Dominion, but uh, mm -hmm. Dallas, the rest of them use these hard inner civic machines. So I started looking to find out, well, who owns these guys? Who are they? And they were bought in 19, uh, excuse me, bought right before the last election uh, by a company called, um, uh, out of San Francisco, uh, a private equity group whose founders, okay, HIG uh, Capital, whose founders are big supporters of Act Blue and the Democrats. So, and I, I started asking questions to my state legislators. I said, do, I, I said, do you guys, do you know who owns these guys? And they don't have a, they didn't have a clue, Colonel. They didn't have a clue. And then right before the election, they were bought uh, by Enlightenment Capital out of Washington, D.C. So uh, guess who owns them? <laughs> uh, Strobe, the Strobe Elliott family, who Strobe Elliott was, was the, the main distributor of the Steele dossier and, and helped finance the Steele dossier. So these are the folks. And if you look at the most of the election systems that, that Americans are voting on, mm -hmm. and look who owns them. Most of them are owned by private equity groups. And most of those private equity groups are democratically controlled. And if you look at the, if you, if you do just 20 minutes worth of research, because that's really all it took me. You do yeah. 20 minutes of research and look up, okay, so here's the partner in, in the, the private equity group that owns this voting machine company. Well, who do they contribute to? And you start to see where the ties are, but we don't have anybody asking these questions. Like, you know, so do we really want a machine that's tied to, on our voting, who's tied to Act Blue, which came from uh, ACORN, which was federally indicted during the Obama administration for voter mm -hmm. fraud? I mean, yeah. <laughs> We better wake up because it's not, it's like Stalin said, it's not who votes that, that matters, it's who counts the votes. Exactly right. You know, and the only, there's only one way to fix it. I call it the paper ballot policy. Uh, P, P, PBP uh, is the only way to fix it. And I'd like to see paper ballot policy and purple thumb uh, yeah. policy. Uh, so that you can see who voted, just like we asked Iraq to do when they had their first elections that Americans, like me, I was there protecting Iraq uh, during their first elections because the, the terrorism was so bad, uh, the folks trying to stop it. Uh, you know, the, the paper ballot and purple finger uh, policy is the only way, really, you could keep electronic voting machines, but they should be uh, uh, in-state, locally, you know, in-state and locally controlled, 
no software updates uh, ability from outside, no internet avail availability. And believe me, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory that that these voting machines that were used in the 2020 election, some of them had routers that went outside the United States of America and were connected to the internet uh, or updated by, via USB drives uh, through a USB port, which means you can put malware in to that system using a USB drive. It's a common tactic by the Chinese uh, spy agencies and Russians and Americans probably. I would educate a guess uh, to do those kind of things. So paper ballots, folks, encourage, and that's another, to get back to the state legislature thing, uh, that's the state legislatures, you know? If you're not pushing your state legislature, folks, to adopt a paper ballot trail system, uh, whether they want to keep electronics or not, having a paper ballot trail uh, is the only way to assure that we have uh, yeah. elections of integrity. I can't believe we even have to talk about this in, in the 21st century, but apparently we do. Well, you know, our reliance on technology can be to our detriment because I'm in the IT business. I understand this, this, this stuff very, very well. And I will tell you, you know, I've had actually had county election officials tell us, well, the machines at the polling places aren't connected to the internet. And they're like, I'm like, well, and, and that's your concern. I said, so all, all of the votes are tabulated at the central election headquarters and how are you update the ballots? How do you update the firmware on the machines that are all done with USBs? And I, that's like, okay, so uh, typical government workers, okay? I, I, I said, you, and you don't think there's a possibility that when you're uploading the, the firmware or the ballots into those machines, that those can't be tampered with, or you can't change algorithms or those kind of things. And it's, it's just some, but, you know, everybody wants to pass the buck. When you ask the county election officials, they say, well, it's up to the state legislature. When you ask the state legislature, they say, well, it's up to the secretary of state. And so it, yeah. it, it's a cluster. You, you don't know in, who's in charge of what. And meanwhile, we're voting on machines that are owned by, uh, by not just Democrats, okay? I'm mm -hmm. talking about radical Democrats that support right. things like ActBlue. And, and, you know, I, I, I predicted what was going to happen in Georgia. I said, you know, I, I said they're going to people are not going to show up because they don't think it matters. OK, it's so rigged mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter. So, you know, there's a there's a previous article I had in town hall about this. I said the apathy of the GOP is going to come back to haunt them because if people don't. I, I can't tell you how many people I've met. Colonel, you probably have to that said, look, what what does it matter if I vote? Because it's rigged. So what does it matter? It's already predetermined. Yeah, I, I was uh, on the phone with uh, folks that are big in the Tea Party movement uh, originally and, and even today in Georgia before the, uh, the Senate elections. Uh, and, uh, you know, the apathy of the Republican Party and people like Mitch McConnell, uh, when he wouldn't support the $2,000 uh, supplement uh, because the government made these mistakes that caused people to lose their jobs, I, I can live with that. Uh, but he wouldn't support it, you know, and she told me, she said, Rob, I told them, I told the Trump team that, uh, that they're not going to get 430,000 votes because people are staying home. They're really angry over all of this mess and they're tired of being put, uh, in the back seat, so to speak, uh, and get the last priority and look what happened. Look what and then, happened. You, then you appoint a terrible con candidate who, who, who sold yeah. stock short, uh, <laughs> he's just 
they just can't get out of their own way. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but they just cannot get out of their own way. And they wonder why this keeps happening to them. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we better get control of, of the GOP um, somehow, some way, because the leaders aren't doing it. I mean, this is like John Boehner, Paul Ryan all over again. Um, it's the same thing. Well, these three local elections uh, over the past weekend, uh, they really do send a signal. Uh, and it's not noise. I mean, it's a, it's a signal, as Steve Bannon said, because they're, those are people going to the polls. And in spite of all the issues with election integrity, uh, these seats have been turned red uh, to Republican. And that is the only way I think that folks can get control of this. We've got to put legislators in the state legislatures that will take responsibility and take the power that's given to the legislatures in the U.S. Constitution to to set the rules for elections. I mean, that's who has the power to do that. All these secretaries of state, local election officials, they really don't have the power to change the rules and set them. That's got to be at the state legislature level. Yeah, but even right? some of the states, Colonel, you saw some of these states like in Georgia and others where they let the secretary of state make the rules. Uh, and yeah. bypass Michigan, bypass the legislature. And that was the whole point of Attorney General Ken Paxton's lawsuit that, what, 17 other states joined. And that's why yeah. it's just unbelievable the Texans that Texans, they claimed that we had no standing. With that. We thought it would at least get a hearing. It never even got a hearing. So, um, uh, so you know, Texans are ticked off. I'm just, you know, I'm sure there's, there's conservatives all over the country that are ticked off. But we're really, this looks like a direct attack between the immigration, XL pipeline, the grid, um, all of the above, it, it just looks like a direct attack on us. Do you think that, that from uh, the direct attack perspective, it's because Texans are independent, even, even Democrat Texans, you know, have that independent streak about them. And, uh, you know, this president and, uh, and previous presidents too, I'm not going to let Republicans off the hook ha have tried to build the power of the executive branch at the federal level and the federal government, uh, to take away from the independence of the states and this and this president's no different as a matter of fact i think he's on steroids wanting to do that uh uh do you think do you think it's intentionally uh being shoved at texans from the federal government and the courts uh because oh, they're independent street i mean these these suckers are communists okay so central authority central control uh, they, they don't want any federal system where your state, there's no such thing as state rights to them. Um, uh -huh. uh, you know, the constitution to them is a dead letter. Um, what, you know, what constitution, uh, the bill of rights, all, all of it. Um, I mean, it's, we're, we're in dangerous territory. Uh, you know, I, I keep talking about it all the time because, you know, when I was, you and I were growing up, um, you know, communism was a bad word. You got called a communist. That was fighting words. Now you've got yeah. people openly proud of it. Uh, and, and make no bones about it. And want to make America sure. Marxist communist uh, yeah. and make no bones about it. I mean, look what's happening uh, on the race issue. The race issue is a, is a Marxist uh, uh, line of attack. It's a common tactic and strategy to divide populations by race, ethnicity, gender. Uh, uh, and the communists have, have done that very successfully in South American and Central American countries. Uh, of course, they're all failed economies. As you mentioned, Kamala was down there uh, amongst those states that many of them have had several Marxist governments that have failed, uh, trying to tell their people to stay home because we're going to send you some more money. Yeah. You know, 
uh, and those kind of things. More money to corrupt governments, right? And, yeah. and you know, somehow that's going to stem and flow. You know, when Trump used to say, you know, Mexico is going to pay for the wall, what I always thought he meant by that was that, you know, we're going to, you know, uh, the second largest import to Mexico is the remittances. First is oil, but mm -hmm. second is the remittances that come back to Mexico from the United States. So why not tax those? And I always thought that was going to be Trump's backhanded way for, for Mexico to pay for the wall. <laughs> but they still didn't do that. I agree with you. That's what I thought he was going to do, too, was put some kind of fee or, or taxation on those remittances and, and not a bit. And you know what? The average American doesn't even know about all that got cash flowing uh, south of the border. And that's what's going on. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not that these folks, all of them, now some of them do want to be Americans, but, but they really want to tap into the wealth uh, and send that wealth home. Uh, and that's what a lot of folks are doing here. And they're not all bad people, but we do need to enforce our immigration laws. It was good to hear Kamala Harris say that down in Guatemala and tell them to stay home. Do you think they mean it? I'll probably not. I don't know if you saw AOC's tweets today, but she was she was blasting Kamala for saying that. And uh, you got a whole bunch of people up there now, now trying to take her words back. Um, yeah. You know, uh, they're just they're Listen, uh, they, this is an open borders. I mean, think about all the things that are combined, uh, the, the, the BLM, the race issues, Antifa, mm -hmm. all this stuff. But look at the destruction of our of our history, trying to re, re, revisionist history, the 1619 Project, critical race theory, destroying all of our monuments. And listen, when, when this started a few years back after that, those Dylan Roof murder, that Dylan Roof murder in Charleston, mm -hmm. South Carolina. I always said, don't ever think this is going to stop at Confederate monuments. And it hasn't. I mean, it's, in the meanwhile, there's a 16-foot statue of uh, Vladimir Lenin in, in uh, Seattle that nobody touches. Okay? They but never touch. You're, you're going to take down Robert E. Lee, and you're going to take down Thomas Jefferson and Christopher Columbus and all these others. So it's a full-out assault on our, and to remake America. Um, and, and, you know, you got corporations that are, you know, Coca-Cola, all these others who, who have bought into this BLM message. Um, it, it's unbelievable. It's just, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I, I've never seen a fight like this, Colonel. Yeah. Did you see the New York City uh, psychiatrist uh, at a Yale speech? Uh, it broke last week, I think, on Barry Weiss's Substack uh, thing. But this was from April 2016, where she was giving a talk. Uh, and she literally said, uh, I want to load my revolver and shoot white people in the head because they can't talk about race and they don't want to admit. Uh, and it's just, it's just, uh, it's unfathomable to think that fellow Americans think that way. It commonly, you know, I mean, there's always been some, some, uh, fringe elements, you know, the KKK is a, is a, has been marginalized completely. Right. Uh, those kind of things. Uh, the black Panthers aren't, aren't that, powerful either they're pretty marginalized but so there's always been those kind of types but when you you're talking about a new york city psychiatrist uh that's taught at yale university and saying she wants to shoot white people in the head that white people can't handle uh talking about race and it's just it's just a bunch of bull you know i i was raised in a military family and lived all over the country and the world uh, growing up and spent 30 something years in the military myself and you know, Americans, the Americans that I know, they just don't think that way. 
you know, yeah, there were some problems with the history of the United States of America. And, and you know what? Over 600,000 Americans uh, uh, gave their lives. Uh, some of them didn't want to. They wanted it to go the other way. But those 600,000 died to stop uh, things like the institution of slavery and those kind of things. So it, who, who, who's saying that they don't want to talk about it and they can't talk about it? Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is you want to shoot me in the head because of the color of my skin. I mean, that's a change, my friend. And, and it's not it's not a conspiracy theory. Well, you reverse that and see the kind of outrage that, that, that there would be if that was reversed. Sure. Um, it, it's just um, and, and, you know, everybody buys into it. The, 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 the politicians buy into it. These major corporations are buying into mm -hmm. it and they think that they're doing the right thing, I, I think. Um, but, um, but all it does is make it worse. It does make it worse. It does make it worse. My friend, the, uh, do you think, do you think, uh, that, uh, we're going to see a sea change in Texas? I mean, that's where you're closest to on the ground, David. Do you think we're going to see a sea change to where it's not under threat of going blue? I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to go blue, but I but I know that there it's under threat because a lot of crazy people from California are are moving there for one. Well, uh, I, yeah. You know, I was shocked that uh, that a whack job like Beto O'Rourke could e even get the Democrat nomination in the state of Texas. Uh, do you do you see a sea change coming with this movement? I mean, there's four hundred thousand people in that movement. That's a lot of people for a state. Well, yeah, the, the Texas movement itself, I think it's up to 420,000 supporters. Uh, if it was a political party, it'd be uh, Texas's third largest political party. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's starting to wield some power, too, behind it. Uh, in fact, running its own candidates uh, in the under the Republican banner. Um, you know, they got they were actually what most people don't realize they were su successful getting an independence a plank onto the the Texas GOP platform. It's actually in. It's a plank in the platform. It's been there for several years, and most people don't even realize that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's been there. It's been growing, and, and now the, the Biden election and and what happened in November just really set it off. Um, it, I mean, it just accelerated it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's bound to. Uh, to bring people together across political aisles, for sure, uh, is what I think you're seeing and witnessing uh, with the effort. The uh, uh, but but do you see it affecting the entire country? Uh, will other states consider this? I mean, that's a big step. Well, let's let's assume for a minute that it gets on, which we we think it will. Um, it will get on the Republican primary ballot and it passes and it will pass on, on the ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, that will send a shockwave through the for the, the political mainstream like you've probably never seen before. Um, and then other states are going to say, hey, look, Texas has done it. And you're going to start seeing this. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because we're not we're not talking about a, an 1860 style, you know, secession. We're talking about a, a planned in a, a an orchestrated Brexit style four or five year, a lot of questions to be answered. Um, and you know, mm -hmm. you know, so everybody that's opposed to that, I, I get a kick out of saying, well, you know, Texas can't do that. You know, are are you guys are, are treasonous even thinking about that? I, I said, well, what do you think George 
George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, those guys, you know, they, they seceded from England. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we call them Patriots today, not secession. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, uh, I said, so, you know, where does the right, the, the God-given right of self-determination, where does it end? Does it end just because you're in a, in a state in, in the 50 states? Where, where does it end? And so I think everybody's got the God-given right of self-determination. And if a people decides that they don't want to be, that, that, you know, it's in our Constitution, it's in our Declaration of Independence. If they want to throw off a, a tyrannical or, or, or remake government in a different image, then they have the right to do that. I don't care if it's Texas or Tennessee or Mississippi or where, I mean, uh, they have that right. And um, uh, the only way that right wasn't sustained, it was it was held by force. There is nothing in the Constitution about secession or independence. It doesn't exist. Uh, everybody wants to hang their hat on a, on a, a Supreme Court ruling, which which has a lot of problems. Um, it'd probably take a whole nother session to talk about that. But um, uh, it's a political it's a political, you know, it's kind of like we were growing up. Did, did you and I ever think that we would see the fall of the Berlin Wall? We never thought we'd see that. And all of a sudden, it happened. I mean, it happened fairly quickly after Reagan, right? I mean, Reagan, um, look what happened with Brexit. Nobody thought that would happen. And all of a sudden, it happened. Right. And actually, there's there's about 100 more countries now than there were at the end of World War II. So this independence movement, and you're seeing it in Caledonia, you've seen it in Scotland, and, and it's it's picked. It's actually picked up. And um uh, so, you know, if Texas is successful and, you know, what, what do you tell Texans if they vote and they say, yeah, OK, we, we want to start a Brexit style movie. You tell them, no, sorry, you can't. OK, I mean, I mean, are you going to call them traitors? You know, that that that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Right. Uh, that's, that's a serious I, I question. Get, I get called that. Um, I get called that. Well, reason. I've, been, I've been called a seditionist recently. <laughs> it, only for quoting the Declaration of Independence, which of the Declaration yeah. of Independence, folks, if you haven't read it, you ought to read it from time to time, right. uh, once a year, maybe, uh, if you're involved in these discussions. But it lists out what government should do from an American perspective. And then at the end of that, it says the government, the you know, the government that the people form uh, is no longer doing these things. And the people have an inalienable right to abolish that form of government and reinstitute a new government that will do it. Exactly. Okay? Uh, that is not treason that, you know, being against the, also, uh, I'll just add this, being against the uh, unelected bureaucracy of the United States government is not treason. Now, if I want to go in and, and shred the Constitution and, and do like a military coup, that would be treason and it would also break the long-held respected civilian control of military that george washington started there's a painting of him handing his commission back to congress uh to the continental congress in the capitol building uh so so yeah there there are some things but there are also things that are our right and if the government's not doing what it's supposed to do and has become too powerful and is using force and removing our rights we have a right and a, really a responsibility as Americans to abolish it and remake it. You know, Colonel, if you, there was a list of grievances in the Declaration of Independence. If you put a list of grievances today against mm-hmm. the federal government, it, it would dwarf what was in the Declaration of Independence. I mean, re, I mean, yeah. most people realize that the American Revolution was somewhat of a tax revolt. Okay. Um, yeah, look at that today. Um, 
uh, I mean, the list of grievances is long. Uh, it's it's extremely long. So, um, you know, I, I'll have that debate with anybody. I, but again, it's it's a God given inalienable right, the right of self determination. So, you know, I always ask I always ask elected leaders when they tell me they're against this. I said, what are you afraid of? Why would you be afraid to let the people vote on it? Just let the people vote. OK, if it's a bad idea, the people won't pass it. If it's a great idea, they'll pass it. But if you're so worried that to give your constituents the right to vote on it, then what does that say? That says that you can't you don't trust your constituents to make the right choice that you think that you can make a better choice for them. Just let them let them vote. Let them decide. I think we see where the mind of the current bureaucracy and elected officials are, though, by by taking a look through the lens of the January 6th uh, riot, uh, you know, which was not an insurrection, but the overreaction of the United States government as a whole. The, the, the establishment politicians as a whole, uh, and I'm not talking about just Democrats in, that are in control, but the establishment politicians as a whole uh, has been an overreaction. Uh, and then the military occupation that some states governors agreed to, at least for a time, of the, cap, of the nation's capital area uh, is, a, is a really good sign of where their minds are at, and their minds are at they're afraid. Uh, but if you're afraid of the people, then your government is not doing what it's supposed to do. And it's our right as the people to abolish your government, uh, whether whether you're a part of it or not. It's our it's our right to be able to do that. And that's not, not treason. And we should all be thinking about ways to do that. Right. In, in the meantime, cities are burning. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, you know, I just heard I just heard an elected leader the other day just talk about all the Capitol police that were killed in the January 6th incident, which we all know now is not, not even, not even close to being true. And there's still, there's still that, that message is still out there. They're still saying things that are untrue. It was an insurrection. It was an armed insurrection. Uh, it was a coup. It, it's really, it's actually pretty funny uh, if it wasn't so sad. It, and if it wasn't so serious, you know, we have, we have 450 people charged and, and hundreds of them are, are being held without bail and solitary confinement in, in the DC jail. Uh, and, uh, you know, good reporters like Julie Kelly from, uh, I think it's AM greatness, uh, uh has been investigating it, it, it. And these folks are sending text messages out to their loved ones saying things are really bad in there. They're getting abused, uh, and those kind of things. And number one, uh, what happened to habeas corpus, uh, uh, you know, and, and our right uh, under the Fourth and Fifth Amendment? Number two, uh, uh, speaking of trampling on the Constitution, uh, but number two, uh, I mean, the United States may have had one or two political prisoners over its history, but to have hundreds of purely political prisoners from all of one side of the spectrum in the context of We've had a year of billions of dollars of damage uh, and uh, more than 30 deaths and 700 injured officers or more uh, in the United States over this BLM Marxist uh, Antifa trash that's been going on. Uh, and none of them are in solitary confinement. Not one. Go find You find me one and I'll believe you. Uh, not even the guy that was part of the insurrection, so-called insurrection, that really wasn't an insurrection, that was a provocateur and encouraging people on video to go in and break windows and storm the Capitol and go inside and all that. Not even that BLM 
Antifa guy who was disguised as a Trump supporter and a reporter, by the way, uh, is in solitary confinement. So, and currently, that started in the Bush administration in, in George in W's administration, mm -hmm. National Defense Authorization Act after 9/11. And in the most people don't realize, and in, in Congress, they 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 redo this, they renew this act every session of Congress. And in that, there's a provision in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that allows for if you're identified as a member of a terrorist group, then you have no habeas corpus. And that's what they're holding them on. They're, they're using the NDAA to do that. Um, there's only one other place in, in United States law that you have no habeas corpus, and that's in tax court, by the way. So yeah. our Bill of Rights in tax court gets thrown out. Um, but that's what they're using, that NDAA. Um, you know, it's the James Clapper. It's all these guys that that, um, that all design this stuff. And so, if you make the if you make their list, whatever that list might be, you're going to be held out, which is without habeas corpus. So that is that is about as un-American as you can get. And that is definitely a part of the U.S. government that needs to be abolished by the people. Uh, I've run on it in political campaigns. I support it. I will continue to preach it. Uh, because uh, it's just abhorrent uh, that we have adopted the policies that uh, that totalitarian states like the Soviet Union, the communist Chinese, the Nazis uh, have adopted uh, and used to great effect, but that we have lost American lives overthrowing uh, in many cases and probably will in the future too if the communist Chinese continue uh, to do their thing, unfortunately. Uh, so we've got to end that. Uh, that's why I'm opposed to the Patriot Act. I'm opposed to that part of the NDAA. I've been Bless wanting to see a repeal of all that. Uh, you know, and I was in the Pentagon on 9-11. Uh, and quite frankly, there was never a time when we should have done those things uh, and eliminated habeas corpus like that. And these people should be freed on their own recognizance unless they're violent. And there wasn't any violence perpetrated by uh, the... Uh, uh, from a, from a violence of threatening death uh, perpetrated by any of these protesters, the only violence that occurred was the death of Ashley Babbitt, a U.S. Air Force veteran who was summarily executed, I believe, by a Capitol Police officer. Which still, still hasn't been identified, right? The, the cop that yeah. shot hasn't been identified. I, I mean, yep. it's, um, you know, that, that's, that's the state that we're living in today. It is. Uh, well, David, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Tell folks about your new book with Joe Arpaio one more time and how they can find you. Yeah, share, listen, I'll, I will tell you for, for your audience, the Sheriff Joe book, and, and by the way, I, I've never met anybody in my life like Sheriff Joe. Um, uh, he, he's, he's John Wayne with a badge, okay? Yeah, he's, he's, a, good, he's, he's a good man. I met him. In, uh, well, most people don't realize is, is, <laughs> is uh, his law enforcement background before he became sheriff. I mean, he actually is the one that arrested the French connection. Um, he's responsible for forming the DEA. Uh, I mean, he's just got an incredible life story, but they used him um, as the scapegoat in the career. What they did to him is exactly what they did to Trump. And a lot of it's with the same actors. So um, that book's got a lot of that in there. It'll shock you. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. We talk about the Obama birth certificate. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where Obama was born and Sheriff Joe doesn't either. All we can tell you is that that document's not real. Okay. It just yeah. isn't. <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so that's that book. Uh, the publishing company defines press and publishing. We have a lot of great conservative authors in there. Uh, you know, we have new books coming out all the time. I'm very proud of that because uh, most of the uh, the publishing world is is pretty much banned conservative books. We even have we've had trouble with Amazon and others. But um, you can find press and find our authors there. We've got about 60 conservative authors so far um, that has got tremendous books. A lot of them have multiple books. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Texas Author at Texas Author on Twitter or, or uh, Defiance Press on Twitter or on Facebook. Well, fantastic, sir. Uh, again, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy, and uh, I pray for your publishing company because uh, I want it to stay alive. Because you're exactly right. You know, the leftists are are taking down uh, uh, thought uh, that opposes their ideology, and their ideology is a neo-Marxism. Uh, that I will I will always fight against and tell people and teach people how to fight against. Uh, well, we appreciate it. Go ahead. Thing, Colonel, if you want to find out more about the Texas movement, go to TNM, TNM, like Texas Nationalist Movement, dot M-E, TNM, dot M-E. TNM, dot M-E, folks, TNM, dot M-E. That's David Thomas Roberts, uh, CEO of Telogistics, author and uh, founder and uh uh, of Defiance Press and Publishing. And please pray for them and support them and support the authors and, and buy those books uh, because there's some great stories like the latest one with Sheriff Joe Arpire. Thank you very much, David. Uh, we will Thank see you, you soon. God bless you. You're a patriot and, and we love you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for participating today. Uh, we tried to get through uh, quite a few of your comments, and we appreciate you all. As you can see, the, uh, the efforts that Texans are going to, to defend their freedom are above and beyond, and all Americans really should do that. Uh, we need you to do it at the local level, take it on at the state level especially, focus there. And then the federal issue will take care of itself with a little bit of guidance from the voters. And that guidance needs to be stop giving the priority to the big corporations. Stop giving the priority to the special interests and give your priority to the American people, the citizens and the legal residents of the United States of America. Until next week, I'm Rob Manus, and we'll see you.